since January, you know, I, I've shared, my wife and I um, have been do, sharing this as part of Psalm 118. Every morning we wake up and, you know, I shared it with you guys too. Um, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, and it's just been really sweet to, to say that my wife and I say we get up really super early. We say it in the morning. And I know you guys, some of you guys have come to me and said yeah, that you've been doing it as well. Um, and sometimes we have to add the word somehow to the end of that. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it somehow. Um, we all have some of those days. If you're taking notes, I'm going to start out, just um, challenge you guys to take notes right away. Um, first, first note, um, Ever step into something that you weren't quite ready to step into? Ever step into something you weren't quite ready to step into? I got a text from my dad a week ago Thursday morning. It said, call me as soon as you can. He said, hey, Pop, it's me. He asked me if I'm sitting down. At the time, I'm driving on University Crossing County Line Road. And he says to me, I've got the big C. I've got cancer. And I say, what kind? And he says, bad kind. Pancreatic cancer. And it's metastasized. It's it's spread to my liver. And all I can say is, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And later on, my dad asked me to call. I'm one of six kids. My dad asked me to call my brothers and sisters, and I shared it with one of my brothers, and he kept saying a word over and over and over again, but I I can't repeat that word at church. (laughs) Um, What's the doctor say, I ask? Um, He says there are all kinds of options, but he recommends hospice based on age and based on how the cancer is spread. So no surgery, no Whipple procedure, no chemo, no radiation, just hospice, comfort care, no curative care. You hear words like cancer, or there's been an accident. It just stops everything. And I know some of you folks, some of you guys know this. It hits you like a ton of bricks. My dad's 92 years old, and he's lived a great life, an amazing life. But I really thought somehow, somehow dad maybe was going to beat the odds, and he was going to live forever. We had just seen dad a month, six weeks ago. And he had slowed down somebody who was still doing great, feeling, feeling great, walking every day, exercising. And we had been dreaming of taking a road trip this summer up the East Coast to, our old, uh, to some of his old stopping grounds. And heck, that Monday of that week, this was Thursday, but Monday of that week we had talked about taking this, this road trip, um, going back to Long Island where, where um, my mom and dad raised us back to Oakdale, New York, East end of Long Line, getting up early one morning and going to the Idlehour Deli. Idlehour Deli is where all my siblings worked growing up through high school. We were going to get a coffee there and a breakfast sandwich, and then we would drive out to the east end of Long Island, uh, to Hither Hills, this place called Hither Hills. Um, Montauk Point is one of our favorite family places to go to as when we were kids. But then I get this phone call from Dad, and it changes everything. Ever step into something you weren't quite ready to step into? Today we remember Palm Sunday, the day Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem, and it was like a parade. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And folks lining the parade route into the city, waving palm branches just like our kids did this morning. Folks believing that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. We hear words like that and we think of God. 
the Son of God. But in Jesus' day, most folks, if not all the folks, didn't quite get who Jesus was. And they're really thinking he's coming in as the guy He's going to bring back Jerusalem and Israel back to its former state, back to the kingdom it was before, back to the way things used to be, you know, way back when. Palm Sunday would begin Jesus' final week this side of Easter with his disciples. And it was, it was a crazy week, powerful week, but a crazy week. Celebrating this day, this Palm Sunday, welcoming into town like a, like a hero's welcome, only to be nailed to the cross on Friday morning. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. A lot can happen in a week. The boys, Jesus' boys, the apostles, and the other followers of Jesus, I'm thinking as they begin this final week, this week that we call Holy Week, a week set apart. Holy is, just means separate. As they were stepping into that week, I'm thinking the boys really didn't know what they were stepping into. Ever step into something you weren't quite ready to step into? I want to read this seventh word from the cross. And we've been looking at the, the seven last words or seven last phrases of Jesus from the cross. This is the last word from the cross. We've called this series Famous Last Words. But I wonder if we, before I read this text, and it's a real short text, it's just three verses, I wonder if we could collectively take it as a church family, Take a couple of deep breaths. Breathe in. Breathe out. Another one. Deep breath in. And breathe out. This is from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 23. It's in your notes. It'll be up on the screen. Starting with the 46th verse. Again, this is the seventh word. This is the final word from Jesus on the cross. I love how Pastor Grant has been asking us as he reads the gospel to stand. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you're able, if you guys could please stand. And I ask you to listen carefully. This is from God's word. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn into the curtain that separated the holy, holies from the regular people, people like us. And then Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed his last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You folks may be seated. If I could have you take one more deep breath together, okay? Let's breathe in. Breathe out. Someday each of us is going to have a last breath. Final breath. Last breaths or final breaths. Pastor Grant gave this powerful message last week on the sixth word. It is finished. Finished. Telos. With Jesus, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, it is finished. It is complete. But Grant talked about trigger words. Final breath, last breath. To me, these are trigger words. Maybe more so knowing where my dad's health is heading. If you're taking notes, trigger words, trigger words bring us to a place in our hearts and in our heads. Trigger words bring us to a place in our hearts and in our heads. Cindy and I flew back. Uh, My dad lives in Florida. We flew back from seeing my dad this past Wednesday we're on the plane, we're, you know, just 
check people are you know, getting loaded in as the flight attendants, you guys know this, if you fly a little bit, they're going through those last minute safety checks. I'm still not sure why they have to remind us how to buckle the seatbelt, but you know, maybe some of us don't know how to do that. And then they talk about in case the cabin loses pressure, this thing's gonna bop down and put it on your face first before you do it on your kids. But I was wondering as I'm listening to this, who's really paying attention to these flight attendants? Most of us, we don't even look up anymore, do we? But who looks up? First-time flyers? Maybe. But how about folks who have been on a plane recently when there was an emergency, a real emergency? You guys remember when that plane went down on the Hudson River back a few years ago? I'm thinking when that plane was going down and those flight attendants said what they had to do, man, they were clued in on every word, every word. Everyone's paying close attention now because it's a matter of life and death, right? Where are those exit rows, right? Where are those exit rows? Words can be powerful and life-saving, especially words from Jesus, especially Jesus' last words from the cross. Trigger words, I believe all seven of the words from Jesus on the cross, they are all trigger words. They're trigger words because they talk about important things, life and death things, about forgiveness and reconciliation and care and connection. And they are honest words helping us connect to Jesus, helping us connect to God, and ultimately they're words of completion. It is finished. They're words of surrender. Let's fuss some with today's word, okay? Father, into your hands... I commit my spirit, Father, into your hands. My brother Tom, who we met down in Florida, we fly into Orlando, we, we met him at Orlando Airport, then drove two hours to my dad's place in Vero Beach. Um, and he had to head back uh, a day earlier than us. He flew back Monday, um, and we, we stayed an extra day because dad's appointment with his doctors was on Tuesday. And my brother texted me Tuesday morning. He said, he said good luck with the doctors. And he said, maybe there would be a miracle. Maybe there would be a miracle. Ever pray for a miracle? Me too. But I didn't pray for a miracle this time. At least not in the traditional sense. Since my mom passed away five years ago, dad has always said that he was ready. That he was always ready. He was ready, but he didn't want to expedite the process, but he was ready. Um, Father, into your hands, into your hands. If you're taking notes, number three, there's, there's something powerful about hands, especially open hands, and I would extend that to open arms. There's something powerful about open hands and open arms. Open hands, open arms are powerful and they're inviting, but they can be rare this for, for whatever reason, they can be rare this time in our lives, this time in our world. You know, just watch five minutes of the news, and we, and we know there's a lot of clenched hands. There's a lot of folks ready for a fight. But today, I want to just remind us about open hands and open arms. Wednesday afternoon, we flew back into DIA, crowded airport, lots of spring break folks. Just a lot of people going everywhere and every which way, mostly everyone in a hurry. 
Then in the midst of the crowd, there was this older couple, maybe 80 years old, walking very slowly, but holding hands, holding each other's hands. Everybody else is racing by, but this couple is just sweetly holding hands, and it was beautiful, and it stood out in this mass of humanity at the airport. Father, into your hands. There's something powerful about hands, unclenched hands, open hands, open arms. My wife, for whatever reason, um, took a picture of our hands while we were with dad. And this is a picture of um, my hands, my brother's hands, and my dad's hands. And um, my dad has a million expressions, um, uh, and he loves to play cards. But one of his expressions when he's losing is this. You can only play the hand that you're dealt my dad doesn't lose very much, but that line comes out often. You can, always, you can only play the hand that you're dealt. Um, a week ago Thursday, right before I got the text from my dad to call, I went to visit George Dockery in his home. And some of you know George. I was going to make, a, make a, a joke about George, that George was one of the first apostles, but he really wasn't, but he's been around a long time. But he and his wife, Marilyn, have been rock stars in this church. They have been rock stars and one of my favorite people in the entire world. But their health has not, not been the best lately. And I went to visit and love on George and Marilyn. At the end of our visit, I prayed with George. And I blessed him with these words, words that I usually share at the close of our service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. And then my standard joke is I, I anoint folks with um, oil, but nothing but the good stuff, WD-40. Um, and at the end, George put his hand on my face. Just the sweetest, most tender gesture, loving gesture of saying goodbye. Father, into your hands. I want to share just a little bit about my dad's doctor. Um, my dad had told me, you're going to love Dr. Young. And he's been my dad's doctor for 30 plus years. He said, you're going to love this doctor. Well, he said, you're going to like this doctor. I not only liked him, but I loved him the minute I met him. And Dr. Young, my dad's doctor, came in this past Tuesday morning, came in with deep emotion and tears. As he told my dad and me the blood results confirming what the MRI had shown the week prior. And he cried. The doctor cried. And he thanked my dad for being such a model to him. And as he's crying, my, my dad says, Doc, Doc, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I, I've done it all. I've done, I've done everything I've wanted and more. I am ready. I am ready. And I'm not scared. Heck, I've jumped out of an airplane. I've parachuted before. Um, why should I be scared? And then there was this tremendous bid for connection. The doctor said, I jumped out of an airplane too. Um, only one time. And my dad jumped out one time. And then they start talking about their, their one jump out of an airplane. And you would have thought they, had, they were part of the 101st Airborne, the way they were talking about jumping out of an airplane. Um, but the doctor told me how since he had met my dad, he had started saying words my dad always says to almost everyone he meets. 
My dad would say, thank you for, thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you do. And he would say that to the, to the sales clerk, to the, to the server in a restaurant, to the cleaning people. And he would always say that. Just, he, would, he would look them in the eye and sell, tell them, thank you for what, what you do. And the doctor said, when I first met your dad, I started saying that same thing. Everybody I meet, I say, thank you for what you do. And, and it was just really sweet. But the sweetest moment during the doctor visit, and you guys know I'm usually a rock star when it comes to emotion, you know, just a rock. Um, but ne- <laughs> not really. But, but near the end, of, I'm doing much better this service than I was the first service. Um, my wife had to say, suck it up, Joe. Come on, we've got we to get this thing through. But near the end of our visit, the doctor held my, my dad's face in his hands, just like George did to me. And I got a little misty when the doctor said, I love you, Mr. Hess. And dad said back to the doc, I love you too, doc. Good church happened in that doctor's office this past Tuesday morning. And as dad's saying goodbye, probably the last time he's going to see his beloved doctor because he's needing to transfer his care over to the hospice team, dad says to the doctor, I'll, I'll, I'll see you again. And the doctor, who's a man of faith, he points to heaven and says, I'll see you again. And the doctor hugged my dad. Then I hugged the doctor. It's a picture of my dad with Dr. Young. You know, we've talked about bids for connection. You know, anytime we we turn to one another to connect with each other relationally. Um, And I borrow all this from... um, John and Julie Gottman from a little book that they call The Love Prescription. And I know some of you, um, some of you have, have used that book. It's a powerful book. and it's a, They talk a lot about bids for connection. And there's always, there's always three responses, they say, about a bid for connection. A bid, somebody makes a bid for connection, a smile, a, a hug, a handshake, a sigh. We can turn towards that, or we can ignore it, or we can, we can respond against it. Dad and Dr. Young's bid for connection, their hug to each other was so sweet, so beautiful. Number four, if you're taking notes, in this seventh word, Father, into your hands, Jesus is reminding us, modeling for us, our our ultimate bid for connection back to our Heavenly Father. Say that again. In, in the seventh word, Father, into your hands, Jesus is reminding us of our ultimate bid for connection back to our Heavenly Father. Jesus is on the cross. He knows what's coming. Despite all the heartache from the cross, all the, the, the amazing, tremendous suffering and pain he's going through, he knows where he's heading. He's heading towards this sweet, heavenly reunion. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. This is the plan since the beginning of time, since they messed up back in the garden. God's bid for connection with us through Jesus, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the stinking, messy, broken world that we're all a part of. For God so loved the world, he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God so loved us, for God so loved all of us, front row people, back row people, 
I think God loves the back row people just a little bit more. Um, <laughs> folks on the inside, folks on the outside, God loves them all. The 99 sheep, the one that wandered away, the prodigals and the prostitutes, the tax collectors and the lepers, the pastors and the prisoners. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and me. God's bid for connection to us. And this is our response to that bid, our turning towards the bid for connection. We talked about this some a couple weeks back. To know Jesus, to know Jesus, you really have to know Jesus from the cross. And St. Paul reminds us of our turning towards God's bid for connection with these words um, as he shared these words to the folks in Philippi. And it's one of my favorite texts. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him, becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, God's power, God's power to give us life after we end, when our life ends. Do you guys remember the first words Jesus shares with those knucklehead fishermen along the lake? Those four knucklehead brothers that remind us of, of a lot of our own stuff. But you remember the first words? Jesus said, come, follow me. Come, come, follow me, follow me, follow me. And he begins to teach them with words but also with just how he treats people, how he loves people, how he cares for people, how he welcomes in the the fringe people. Then they begin this amazing, over-the-top, sometimes scary, oftentimes over-their-heads, miraculous journey with Jesus. And it was just for a couple of years, two years, maybe three at the most. And it's now ending with this, Jesus going to the cross. Because of Easter, we we know it's not the end. It's not the end end. It's not, it's just the end, the telos. Jesus has finished what he set out to do. But at this point, just like my brother, those who have been following Jesus most closely, I want to believe in my heart of hearts, they're praying, they're praying for a miracle. Come on, Jesus. Come on. You've done it before. Don't let it end this way. Follow me, the ultimate teacher says. Follow me. To the students, to the apprentices, to all of us, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. I will make you fishers of men and women. But we know there's only, actually, only a handful of folks actually follow Jesus to the foot of the cross, to this end, to the cross. But Jesus is teaching them and us again. Since the beginning of the journey, he's teaching all of us to follow him, to imitate him. Now this teaching from the seventh word. And these are not Jesus' words, but these are mine. Guys, 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 here's what you need to do at the end of life. Watch me. Watch me and follow me. If you're taking notes, this is the fifth one. Jesus teaches us from the beginning all the way to the end. From follow follow me to the crescendo of his teaching, to his opus. Father, into your hands 
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Last story, last story. We're driving home from the doctor's last Tuesday morning after our doctor's appointment, and, and it's an emotional time, and it's a holy time, but it's a hard time. But it's a holy time, and it's a hard time. And Dad tells me honestly, vulnerably, when he's distracted, when he's watching TV for us or playing cards with us or laughing over one of the hundred stories that Dad tells us over and over again, when, when, when that stops, he goes back to thinking that I've got cancer and I'm dying. And that's a tough thought, especially if you're surrounded by people that thought you were going to live forever. And I said, Dad, as we're driving home on this back roads to his place, I said, Dad, try saying these words. See, see if this helps some. Just say these words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Dad, just, just say it. And he didn't say it. Dad, just say it. And then I big brothered him. Dad, say it, say it, say it, say it. I am a big brother. <laughs> My dad then said that he didn't think he was worthy of saying those words. And I just said, sheesh. It was a cuss word, but I crossed it out. Um, um. <laughs> Number six, if you're taking notes, none of us are worthy of those words. None of us are worthy of those words, but, but because of the cross, we are made worthy. Say it, Dad. Say the words. And finally, Dad says, I said them to myself. I said them to myself. And near the end, maybe that's all that we can do, right? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit whether you whisper them to yourself or shout them from the mountaintop, it's all good. They are words of surrender and trust, ultimate trust, ultimate surrender, giving up our last breath, trusting there's more on the other side. You guys remember a Sermon on the Mount, maybe one of Jesus' most famous sermons. He begins that sermon with these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, and the same word for Greek is, is breath, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who run out of breath. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then for all of those that are staying on this side, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I trust you, Lord. I give it to you all. I give you my last breath, banking on the fact that there will be more air on the other side. Sweet air, heavenly air. My dad throughout this journey keeps saying, I'm not afraid to die. I am not afraid. And my wife, who is so much holier than me, so much smarter than me, she reminded me, my dad's not afraid. My dad's not afraid to die because he's so courageous. He's not afraid to die because he has faith and he has hope. Eternity waits. My mom waits right behind the big guys. My, dad, my mom waits to welcome him home. That's placing all of his faith and his breath in the Father's hands to take him home. Ever step into something you were not quite ready to step into? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Um, 
A couple of years back, I came back from sabbatical, and I, I committed to you guys that, that one, a couple of things, very holy things that I was going to try to commit to was learning how to juggle and learning how to play um, Walking Home. Um, what's the song? Walking, what is the song? Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Um, the song is Walking in Memphis um, by Mark Cohen. It's one of, just one of my favorite songs. I was going to learn how to play that on piano and learn to juggle. I, I have not learned how to juggle. I've not learned how to play Walking in Memphis um, on the piano. I, I committed to it to you guys, and then I, I just didn't follow through. First Sunday back after my 20 minutes of retirement, I came to you guys and I said, you know what, I got to be my best self, I got to lose 15 pounds. Um, and I said I was going to try to do it by Thanksgiving. Um, but I meant Thanksgiving of 2023 because I, I, I have gained, I've gained five pounds or so, um, just was not going in the right direction. I, but I failed to commit to that. Um, you know, I think part of this following Jesus, we have to commit to doing it. A long pull in the same direction. And I, I want to challenge you guys with Holy Week homework, okay? Holy Week homework. Um, it's in your bulletin. There's bulletins in the back if you don't get it. But, but here's the homework. Um, each day this week, tomorrow morning, when you guys get up, say from Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, that's, say that in the morning. Invite God into your day. But at the end of each day during this Holy Week, say the words, the last words that Jesus said from the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Homework for this week, okay? Okay.